Good afternoon. This is Dr. Matthew Dunn, host of The Future of Email Marketing. My guest today, I hope you're watching, not just listening, but glad if you're listening as well. Pierre Lipton, co-founder, COO of 1440 Media. Pierre, welcome. So glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So Forbes 30 under 30. Congratulations. That happened, what, a few months back? Yeah, in, uh, in December. Yeah. I appreciate that. Did you know that that was coming? No, they uh, they really hide it from you. They they do a good job of uh, of surprising you. So I actually went on a run the morning. I think it was December first. Went on a run that morning. Uh, got back at seven o'clock. Checked yeah. my phone, and things were exploding. So it was uh, it's pretty cool. That's a pleasant surprise. I got it. I got a bet. Right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Big time. Take 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 a take take us through the the sort of history, short history of fourteen forty media launched when. You hit your 1 million mark a while back. I did read that. Awesome. Yeah. So let me think. Uh, it, it's crazy just just looking back at that, how quickly things have moved and simultaneously how, how long it feels. Um, <laughs> so I, I got to give a hat tip to my co-founders, Drew and Tim. Uh, they, they were kind of the, the, um, the, the masterminds behind the idea. Uh, and I, I, I was very eager to join, but it was, it was definitely not my idea. But about four and a half years ago, I think it was September of 2017. Uh, they they were busy professionals, as as was I, and we were we were out in the world trying to consume the news, trying to just know what was happening. We were going from TMZ for culture news to ESPN for sports to Wall Street Journal for business, Reuters for politics. It was this really like exhausting exercise that we felt the busy person didn't have any time for, uh, and and just like. Didn't we didn't know how how people were like fitting that kind of comprehensive news diet into their into their days, so that kind of paired with the growing polarization of the news, threats to democracy that we felt have two people on opposite sides of the political spectrum were having their opinions informed by their media diets, really encouraged us to to create something that was built for this this frustrated news consumer. So uh, we started writing a daily email newsletter. Uh, it was actually an email thread like a, a, a threaded chain, uh, not even, we didn't even use any tech at the beginning. Uh, and we sent it to 78 friends and family, um, just summarizing sports, entertainment, and culture, science and technology, business and markets, and politics and world affairs. Okay. And through the kindness of our first readers and, and early adopters and, uh, and just everyone kind of in between, we were able to grow really quickly, maintain really strong engagement rates, improve the product massively because it, it, needed, it needed to improve over time. Uh, and then we... We passed a thousand, passed five thousand, a hundred thousand, and then in September, I believe, of this past year of 2021, we hit a million subscribers, and we we keep growing. So we're at one point, just shy of 1.4 million as of as of today, and uh, really trying to hit that two and then 10 million mark. That is the proverbial hockey hockey stick uh, that I think investors call it. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, it's terrific. I, I I don't mean this to be a, a sort of a pin you question, but you're in the Forbes 30 under 30, and not everybody's convinced that people under 30 and email are a natural marriage, and here you are in an email-based channel. How come? Yeah, it's um, especially especially today. I feel like there's a lot of a lot of thinking around the email space as this this like fairly fairly archaic, if you will, uh, industry, and I just. I, I look back at at some data and mind you, I think what 82% of stats are made up on the spot, but 
I think <laughs> 70 to 70 to 75 percent. I, I want to say it's 72, but don't hold me to that. Um, I want to say 72 percent of Americans, the first app they open every day is their email app. So you can build your own app. You can be a text-based delivery platform. You can operate through Facebook. But if we're talking about a platform that's tried and true, that's consistent, and that that delivers to the lion's share of Americans, I think yeah. I think email is is the place to be. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that, and I think for obvious reasons, I would agree with you on a bunch of fronts. Um, and and this does come up. I've had this come up with multiple uh, guests in the time I've I've had the opportunity to talk with people about it. It it's not a channel you mentioned Facebook. It's not a channel where it's someone else's audience you're paying for or borrowing, or that really can take it away from you. Right. Right. If you lose a subscriber, you lose them because they decided not to get it anymore. Right. Yeah. You, you have this direct line of communication yeah. with everyone, which yeah. which has, I mean, it it has its its implications on unsubscribes, but yes. also, and 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 yeah, that 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 risk of losing communication. And it's, I, I think there there are still some platform risks. Facebook has immense platform risks. To your point, like if the if the algorithm decides to turn you off for the so X Y Z user, you're never gonna communicate with them again. Mm -hmm. With email, you can you can get in trouble with certain inboxes. Like sure. uh, your your domain can get in trouble. But if you keep a really strong reputation, which we've tried to do from day one, yeah. it's really. It's it's just an unsubscribe that can stop you from yeah. from engaging with the reader. So yeah, which uh, is engaging with one reader, one reader, yeah. thousand of <laughs> yeah, 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 um, yeah, it, yeah. It, 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 there are a lot of merits, and and um, we do seem to be at a at a point in the last couple of years of some rediscovery of the merits. Sorry, channels going off here. <laughs> you know the drill, right? Endless <laughs> news cycle. Yeah, mute, mute. I thought I did. Uh, talk to you later, hon. Uh, <laughs> email is getting sort of rediscovered slash reinvented. You guys, Substack, uh, Morning Brew, right? Like there's, oh, this is viable. This has a bunch of advantages, that, as you said, about uh, no one can take it away from you and so on. Like that's that's good. Did, did you think going in 2017 or so, like how meticulous was that versus... I mean, honestly, and I'm not, I, I, I mean, this is a compliment. One of the merits is the off the shelf tool set is, oh, look, I've got an email client. I can mail 78 people, right? Yeah. Uh, so what, what I, I don't want to make us sound like we were too, too much driven by altruism, but in a, in a sense, our, our initial goal was just like, how do we as, as quickly, as efficiently as, as possible. Yeah. And with this few barriers to entry, let's be yeah. real. Yeah. How do we reach these people? And email was, it felt very natural. We didn't have to use MailChimp, though we did. We eventually moved on to MailChimp and then uh, tried, our, tried our hand with a bunch of different ESPs. Um, but we, we started just within our email client and it was incredibly easy. We weren't thinking necessarily about scalability, but I mean, when you hit 1.4 million subscribers, you realize like, wow, scalability is a huge, huge perk of the email space. Um, it's true. That's a really good point. Yeah. That, at the time, it was really just like, how do we do this as quickly as possible in a way that isn't going to cost a huge amount of money? Yeah. Or we're just like, it, make, like making an app is so is so difficult, and it's getting easier every day. But it, it's 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 still a, it's quite a task, and and we we felt like the, the first the, the easiest way we could get something in front of our our friends and our readers 
that would actually impact and help their lives was via email. And yeah. I, I, I stand by, by that, that decision. Hey, yeah, no, and, and, and you're absolutely right. In a funny way, the story you just told is a great example for, for entrepreneurs out there. That's a great example of, of, I hate to use the initials, MVP, right? Like, boom, we wrote it in email client on the desktop and hit send. You didn't spend a you know, bazillion hours hiring ESPs or building an app or any of that crap. It's like, get it in front of people. Uh, do they, do they like the, do they like the hot dog in the bun or not? <laughs> yeah, it, it, exactly. And, and even, um, like even, even the, the step beyond that, like we, we, we started with this, this true, true MVP of, mm -hmm. of writing this email. I mean, $0 were, were what yeah. was spent there. Yeah. Um, and lots of time. Yeah. kind of fine, fine tuning what it, what this would look like and then scouring the internet for the best links. But, but at, at its core, zero dollars were spent. And then even like the, in the months that followed, it was really just like, like we, we chose MailChimp as our first, as our first ESP, right? $12 a month. So right. yeah. when we're at, like, it, sure it, that it starts to cost money, but when we're talking about MVPs and, and how to, how to get in with this few barriers to entry. Yeah. $12 a month is like, that's like a, that's dreamland for, for most entrepreneurs. So we, yeah. we felt, felt pretty good about that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, no install, no, no education curve, really. Yeah. Like uh, it's been around long enough where I signed up for this email. Uh, okay. We all know how to do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, I, my, I, I have two, two sons, older ones, probably a little bit younger than you, but not by much. And watching them go through the sort of millennial curve from email, not part of their lives to that on-ramp. I, I tend to put a peg on if someone goes the college route, they're going to get involved in email in, in the application process. Cause every college I know of at least heavily back and forth on email, but it's just tough to, it's tough to stay completely off that channel. Unlike many others. Yeah, absolutely. And we, um, it, it's an interesting, I, I, we never thought about it, or at least I've never thought about it from that college age framework, but it's really like, we, we don't resonate. We're not a product that resonates massively with anyone under the age of 18. And we initially kind of ascribed that to maybe it's like younger people aren't as interested in the news, which I'm sure there's, there's some truth to that. But I, I think the the bigger, the bigger driver there is like, Maybe email isn't necessary until you until you hit eighteen. Until if that's your route, you start applying for colleges or, or you enter yeah. the workforce. But yeah, yeah. Once you once you get to a certain age, there's there's really there's no no way around it. Yeah, and you just you just hit the you just hit the other bit of it, right? If if it's not the college route, if it's the work route, I would hazard a guess that many many, if not most, job applications involve, and we need your email address. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Good point. Right, <laughs> and it's it's not it's not a cost to get one. So that's taken, that's taken out of the way as well. And as you said, first client or ubiquitous client available on anything is, is an email client. I mean, uh, I, 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 the, the first wave of mobile pre-smartphone, uh, so now I'm dating myself, uh, Blackberry era, right? Email was the killer app for yep. that first wave of things that did more than voice calls. And I Still miss the BlackBerry keyboard. I, <laughs> like I could type fast with two thumbs on that on that bad boy, right? Uh, but but it was good old you know good old email. Uh, yeah, fascinating. Let let's switch gears and talk a bit about the 
you know, the fundamental, fundamental journalistic aims of 1440, because that's a very important and a very not simple target to shoot at. Yeah. And I, um, I'll kind of preface all of this by saying that I'm, I'm lucky enough to have an incredibly talented co-founder and editor in chief. Uh, his name's, his name is Drew. Uh, he's got a PhD in material science and spent roughly a decade working on Capitol Hill. Uh, his job was actually to try and translate scientific documents oh, wow. to core members of the house so yeah. they could understand what was happening in the science world in plain English. Yeah. So it, just this incredible, incredible role that was the core to it was distilling complex topics into, into English that anyone could understand. Yeah. So what, what he does basically, and, and we, we now have an editorial team to support him, uh, but, but what, what he and, and, and his team do on a, on a daily basis is take this, this ever changing, ever evolving and like incredibly noisy news landscape and decide what are the most important stories across verticals and what's most impactful to the, the average person. We okay. lean heavily, heavily on facts and data. And we as we're incredibly biased people, everyone's biased, but our goal is to, to remove any editorial, any, any charge language, and just tell people on all sides of the aisle, regardless of your political or apolitical, what's happening in the world. And our, what I will say is it, it sounds, it sounds a little hand wavy. It's very hard to define the process and, and I don't take part in this process on a daily basis, but our data is really compelling in kind of how that, how that apolitical or, or unbiased approach manifests itself. So we actually have a third of our audience is Republican, a third is Democrat, a third is independent. 10% of the audience is far left, 10% of the audience is far right. So we see this incredible data that I, I can't think of another news source that has 10% on the far left and 10% on the far right. And it very closely mirrors Pew data for political affiliation in the US. Yeah, And uh, it's just, it's kind of how the how the cookie crumbled with our with our editorial approach and and how we're how we're talking to our readers on a daily basis. So uh, have when you mentioned the heavy realize that's wonderful by the way it really is. Um, uh, kudos to you guys. It's a very important thing to do. Um, the reliance on data puts a cost burden on what you do. And fact checking isn't free. I know it's fast, but it's not. It's not free. I did. Did you plan on that in advance, business model wise? Well, yeah, I mean, no, no, we did not. <laughs> uh, but we we now have a, a a professional fact checker on our team. It's just a, a role that that we have on on board in house. Uh, we also have um, we have a, a professional copy editor who comes from uh, who comes from the the, the publishing space, mm -hmm. and she's doing some some level of fact checking as well every day. And I would also hazard a guess. I, I I could be I could be wrong here, and I I I I'm worried I I might misspeak. But we have we have more eyes on our newsletter before it goes out every day than I think any any other publisher in this space. It, it it goes through between writers, copy editors, and then writers who are also doing copy editing work, and our editor in chief, and our content officer. We we have like roughly roughly ten pairs of eyes on the newsletter every day before we send it, and that's that's for every single section day in day out and i think that there there is there is time burden there's cost burden there but if we we're only as good as our product if we lose trust with our readers because we have they don't because they we we have too many factual inaccuracies or because yeah. we have too many typos even it, because typos typos degrade trust in some way or another yeah um 
then we lose the business, we lose the product. So I guess yeah. Yeah. Flipped, lose the product, lose the business. Um, but that's, so, so, I mean, we, we really need to prioritize that now. We, we kind of, as co-founders and early employees, we spent a lot of time on fact-checking in the early days, but now we've, we've brought on more, more people yeah. so that that's yeah. always prioritized. Yeah. Yeah. My, my, I had a, I had a, I had a long conversation yesterday with a new guest on the show, my, my new buddy, <laughs> Jen, Jen Capstraw, who's worked in the email space for a long time. But interestingly enough, she had started in journalism. Oh, interesting. And more or less, I don't want to put words in Jen's mouth, but more or less hit the point in the, I think the nineties of saying, wait a minute, journalism is doing this really uncomfortable, like just split and schism. Um, and, and I don't think it matched why she had gone into the field. That was my interpretation of what she had to say. And, and certainly I've, you know, I've, I've seen it live through it as well. And, uh, it, it is a vital mission. Um. I'll just bring this in as a point of comparison and then steal some of his stuff as a takeoff point. There's a newsletter that I pay to subscribe to, written by one guy, Ben Thompson. Newsletter's mm -hmm. called Stratechery. Uh, like, I read it every morning. Like, if Ben has something to say that day, I sit down and read. It's frequently very long. He's open about having his own biases and opinions, but he's like writing a really complex book in public, and it's freaking awesome to listen to and watch. And the economics work, I'm suspecting, work really well for him. He's got a pretty good subscriber base. Um, and he's talked at times, more than a few times, about, you know, sort of his business email newsletter in contrast with the business model that was the newspaper. And, I, and I, I'll, I'll paraphrase Ben a little bit. He said, you know, newspapers, when that was a really flourishing form, essentially had a localized monopoly on printing presses mm. that news was news became the thing that got printed but it was an advertising business really driven by that localized monopoly on printing presses and trucks mm. you don't have that problem now but <laughs> arguably the washington post new york times built you know picket wall street journal whoever you could say shouldn't have that problem as well and i don't see anyone doing it exactly the way you guys are doing it and why not yeah it's i mean it's an interesting point. I, I also, um, to, to kind of stop, sidestep here a little bit, I think, I think the, uh, if, if I remember correctly, I need to, I need to just, uh, brush up on my facts a little bit more, but if I remember correctly, the, um, if you look at subscriptions for New York times, Washington post, wall street journal, I think print subscriptions are down for every publisher, except for New York times in the past year. So you, you do see this it's it, it's likely not a distribution issue it's likely likely a shift from from print to digital print. uh but you you do you are seeing this kind of mass exodus away from away from print and into digital yeah um which is which is interesting just an interesting trend period uh, kind of speaks to the importance of of newsletters or maybe in the in the case of new york times their their app is massively profitable so mm -hmm. so there there are different approaches here but i i obviously can speak to the newsletter space a little bit better <laughs> uh and and am very bullish on emails um, but yeah, I, I do think, I do think a lot of folks have, have taken different approaches to this, to this email space To Are they, are they highly, highly niche products about, about crypto as an example, or, or their, their newsletters, excellent newsletters, in fact, about <clears throat> alternative assets and excellent newsletters about what's a good example, uh, 
kind of how both sides are talking about a single single political issue three times a week. Yeah. Uh, just great products out there. And when we got into this space, we saw this this verticalization of the newsletter space, at least, and, and also the news space at large. It was very, very fragmented. Everything was everything was inch deep or inch wide, mile deep. Everything was going very deep on individual topics. Yeah. We thought, why is why is no one up here? Why is no one doing the mile yeah. wide inch deep approach? So when we, when we got in, it was very it wasn't happening so much. I think I think folks have come and, and gone within this within this mile wide inch deep space. Yeah. Uh, but we we were both we were early entrants, which which was which was fortunate for us. But also, I, I think like I can't speak highly enough about the product itself. It's it's something that it's it, you, you can't just decide to build a build a mile wide inch deep unbiased newsletter. You have to you have to come to it with with expertise and with an excellent product. And that's what our that's what our editorial team and specifically our editor in chief brings to the table. I, I'm actually, I'm stoked because, ha, you know, having you on the schedule and of course, trying to learn a bit about you, it's like, why did I not know about this excited up immediately? <laughs> right. Cause I, I honestly have been, I've been looking for mile wide, inch deep fact-based because it just teased me off. I'm your ideal customer. Tease me off to go cherry pick all over the place yeah. and then try and stick a bias filter on on all of them and, and sort out some, you know, some actual nuggets of truth. It's, it's a very difficult job to do and asking millions of people to do it themselves. It's a big lift, right? Yeah. And it's a big lift. There are plenty of, plenty of news junkies out there. And, and, and that's, that's awesome. Like, like people who are really, really invested in what's happening in the world. We're not going to, we're not going to win with those people that they will, they will do the exercise where they're kind of going, going down into every vertical and really, really learning about it. And those are, there's nothing, nothing wrong with that mindset, but, but for, I think for the average American, it's, it's just not a sustainable exercise. Yeah. It's interesting. You've said, you said a couple of times, American sounds like for the moment, at least that's the specific aim scope of the business. Yes, it is. Yeah. So, so we have, I think 98.5% in that ballpark of our readers are us based. Okay. Um, we do have some Canadian readers, sure. Sure. Uh, Brazilian, German, UK pops up a lot in our, in our analytics, yeah. but the lion's share is American. I, I think it's probably because we, we cover, cover a lot that's close to our hearts. So yeah. we'll, we'll talk a lot about us politics. We'll talk a lot about us scientific discoveries and, yeah. and culture moments. And we do, we do the international, but the, 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 the focus is really, is really what's, what's impactful to the average American. Right. To, yeah. To, the, to this country. And that also lets you narrow down and, and for now at least do English, I assume, probably not other languages yet. Yeah, it's not 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 yet. Not so. yet. Yeah, that's got it. That's got its own. Uh, it's got its own set of <laughs> set of challenges, I'm sure. At the same time, we're at an interesting moment to have this discussion because if we had this conversation a month ago, I'd have said, "Well, the interesting thing about email is the vehicle is it's it's almost global. I mean, to a great extent, email is not used much in China, but you." could a month ago send an email to most other countries. Now we're living in this instant where if you had someone in Russia reading a newsletter, they probably don't have access right now, or they maybe don't have access and we don't really know. It's a, it's a, it's a good point. There are, I, I think a, a lot of the upside, I should say, of us focusing on this U.S. audience is yeah. we're, we're intimately familiar with the legislation, yeah. the goings on. Yeah, just the, the general state of affairs, status yeah. quo in the yeah. U.S. Yeah, I mean, even 
even like looking, looking at GDPR in Europe, it's, uh, we we're we're totally GDPR compliant. It's not the hardest thing in the world to do, but it does add a layer of, of, of complexity to anything we do. So yeah. if we had a huge portion of our audience in Europe, we'd, we'd be concerned that any, any big legislative changes could, could impact our business. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not complex to do, but it adds a little bit of cost and friction and it also adds an element of risk. Yeah. Right. That if you mess up, <laughs> you're like, there's a, a fellow I've had as a, a guest on this, a friend of mine, Dennis Damon is one of the, he's one of the better known email privacy space guys. And he always kind of shakes his head about just how complex it is to get it right. Yeah. So by staying focused, uh, where we've got, you know, we're starting to, we're starting to get some laws, the CCPA passing in uh, California, like we're, we're starting to say, hmm, maybe we need to be a little beyond canned spam in the U.S., but we're not there yet. And, and I suspect you'll be fine for whatever we do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and our, our goal is always just to be, to be compliant to the, to the, the most, the most rigorous level yeah. possible. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. With, with any California legislation that becomes in our eyes, American legislation. So yeah. it's, uh, that part, that part is straightforward enough for us that yeah. We'll just, we make the change and, and we, we, we know the change is happening. It's national news. When we start layering in like, oh, we have to make this like such and such tweak for Europe and such and such tweak for China and then one for, one for Southern Africa and one for South America it just becomes immensely complicated. Yeah. Yeah. It really, it really does. And, and we're still, we still don't know who owns that token, the email address, I, I, I would argue it's, it's a it's a, it's a funny little beast because you look at, you look at the language, you get someone to talk about email and there's personal possessives all over the place. My inbox, my email, I get my email on my device that it is. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I gave you permission to communicate with me. So my email becomes a proxy for my, my person at the same time, you've got that. You've now got my email address in, in, you know, in a record somewhere. F 1440, because I said, yes, you can. So now we've got this shared, you know, this shared possession of the thing and you get to use it to send me stuff. And we're still batting, we're still going to, we're still trying to figure out the boundaries of that puppy. And I don't think we're anywhere near done figuring out the best approach, right approach for different countries, for different people and so on. Yeah. I mean, it's, it has to be just such complicated legislation to write or even think about. I, I don't envy the people that, <laughs> that, are, that are tasked with that. Yeah. What, what I will say kind of in, in, in favor of our strategy towards, towards someone who we want to respect, who, who, who has given us access to their inbox in, mm -hmm. in, in whatever, whatever level of ownership where like we, we think is, is the proper level of ownership. But we, um, we, we actually, we have like very advanced filtering functions in our daily send to make sure that we're only, we're only emailing people who love us. Basically, we think that there, there are so many, so many ways you can, you can make the life worse of someone if you spam them all the time. And you also make the life worse, make life worse for you as a business person. Mm -hmm. If people are marking spam on your newsletter, or unsubscribing all the time, or, or if they're, if they stop opening and then they teach their, they teach their inbox, they teach Gmail that you're not a reputable sender. So we actually, we make sure that after someone stops opening for 30 days, we stop sending to them. It's what's allowed us to maintain a, an open rate that exceeds 50% every day. It's what has allowed us to, to have a click-through rate that's in the 20 to 25% range every day. We just, we know that 
that people's inboxes are, are, are precious. It's like, but to this entire conversation, everyone, just about everyone has email. Yeah. It's a super important medium. Yeah. And I think there's nothing worse than open your inbox, opening your inbox for a day and seeing like layers upon layers of spam. So we want to be cognizant of that. So you opened the door to the, to a technical side topic that I thought we might end up kicking around a little bit, which is that Apple's move with mail privacy protection has to have thrown a monkey wrench in that measure. We, we think it's, yeah, I mean, high level, absolutely. We think it's, um, we think it's an interesting play for the industry and I could talk about it for hours. So I'll, I'll, I'll spare you on kind of my, my tinfoil hat theories, but the, uh, at a, at a at a high level, it's I mean it's inflating open rates across yeah. the space. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Just just for for listeners to to quickly recap, uh, anyone who opts into Apple Mail privacy automatically registers as an open every day that you send an email to them at a at a high level. Yeah. Um. So we've seen this kind of inflate open rates across the space, make it more difficult to track kind of who's opening or who isn't. Uh, we were lucky enough that our open rate was our open rate was fifty two percent before uh, Apple Mail privacy launched, and now it's 57%, 58% on a given day. Yeah. On a given day. Yeah. So we were able to, we, we have tools as well that kind of isolate the, the, the um, penetration of Apple, Apple Mail privacy within our list. And it's, it is very small for, yeah. for now, yeah. um, but it's, it makes tracking more difficult. Yeah. I think the entire space is going to move to clicks as a point of record, just how many, how many people are clicking on your content, because then you can actually, you can't, you can't, forge a click basically you can you can now forge an open true let, let let me let me put two pieces on 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 that conversational uh table though one the goal you'd mentioned earlier of you know 30 days never opens mm -hmm. becomes arguably almost impossible to measure for those mpp opted in folks which is uh, those those of us in the email space and i'll put myself there as well are like Apple, do you know you actually are gonna <laughs> degrade the email experience with this move? Rah. Leave leave that one um leave that one aside for a second. Let me see if I can recover the <laughs> the second thought I had. Ah, clicks. Yeah. I just did a talk about clicks this morning with a bunch of folks uh in the email space. Um the core of fourteen forty, the core value I should say. I can get without clicking. Is that fair? That that's absolutely fair. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, and and I love that because that puts you in that puts your business in the camp as as folks in the email and email marketing space especially have been grappling with oh opens and clicks just or opens just got changed. Thanks, Apple. Nice curveball. <laughs> um, there's a tendency to think in terms of click driven businesses like e commerce. Mm -hmm. And I've been one of those who always sticks up my hand and says, hang on a second. There are businesses where the thing in the inbox is the product or the service. And me reading it is the engagement and the, you know, the business equation that we're after. I'll usually bring up Stratechery as my example, because I've been reading it for, for a good long stretch. But, you know, clicks are, a, they're a proxy, but the, the numbers are so much smaller and you I'm assuming you don't want to, you do, and I'll use the word intentionally, you don't want to introduce clickbait just to have that measure. Yeah, and, and absolutely, to totally, totally agree. Um, 
it's it is it it introduces a lot of slippery slopes. And I, yeah. I won't yeah. pull up your first thread too hard, but I will say I completely agree. We yeah. we worry, and and uh, uh, a theory that I have is twenty twenty two will be the year that that Americans and people in general get much more frustrated by spam in their inboxes because your average marketing manager at a big ecom company isn't going to have that open segmentation that they once did. Yeah, so yeah, I um. To- totally agree with you, but I won't pull too hard on that thread. Um, <laughs> yeah, so so we're we're seeing that as iOS or as as Apple Apple uh, Apple Mail privacy begins to penetrate more and more, we're moving to clicks as our point of record, yeah. and it's it's a much smaller portion. But it is twenty five percent of our daily opens. Okay, we have, good. A, yeah. we have a daily daily level of communication yeah. with with our readers. So you find that over time. Um, I think we might have to move to a 90 day window instead of a 30 day. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. I might have to extend that, extend that, um, that time period a little longer. Yeah. We do see that the slippage we're going to have of people who were, who were opening, but never clicking over a, say a 90 day window yeah. is incredibly small. It's like, yeah. maybe we'll lose 1%, which is still, still big numbers. We still, we don't like to lose whatever that is, 14,000 people. And it's not, that's not fun, but it's, it's much less dire than if we were losing a hundred thousand people. Yeah. Uh, there's a, there's a tech company called litmus. You're probably familiar with them, um, in the email space. And I've been on their list for a long time and read a lot of their content. They sent out an email to the litmus list in circa January. Mm -hmm. And they took the bold move of saying, click on this. If you want to keep hearing from us. Um, and I love that. And that's the kind of thing that you guys could, could really viably do like we don't know if you're opening or not you know click the big red button we because we'd like to know that you want to keep getting this and i doubt you know i doubt that you'd lose anybody marketers and i suspect even more uh bad actor type spammers would never put a button like that right in their content you know never yeah Yeah. so so you've got you've got some you've got some places to go but it does change that it does change that flow a little bit that 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 friction free. We'll just keep it on and try and do the best thing uh, that was available for twenty odd years. Uh, that's now become. There are rumors. Uh, there are rumors unconfirmed at this point. There are rumors of Google getting more aggressive about prefetching with their image proxy, which would have somewhat the same effect. So I don't think we're done with this um, this shift yet either. So yeah, you know, uh, I I I suspect yeah, G- Gmail, Yahoo. Yeah. yeah, we're we, I, I I totally agree. I don't I don't think we're done. Um, I think I think clicks have legs. I think maybe maybe even they will be removed as the as the, the point of record after after another iteration of of uh, of, of privacy measures. But I, I I I see that as more difficult to accomplish. So yeah, yeah. I I'm comfortable making that shift to clicks and then just seeing seeing what happens, rolling with the punches. Well, and, and 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 back to the root of this conversation about you know e- email as a as a sort of a first party, one to one channel. You know, I said you could I said you could email me. I I agree that clicks are maybe the next thing up for a real privacy look. So I actually did a uh, I wrote a blog post for only influencers just to shake everyone's tree a little bit. Honestly, I said okay, I'll give you some live technical examples of a click resulting not in your browser opening, but in a cloud-based browser with no PII opening. Clicks could, clicks in the sense that an e-com guy means them, could very well change dramatically. 
but first party email relationship, we've got a, we've got a mechanism to handle that, right? If I attach customer, you know, anonymous customer ID, even if it's in an, even if it's a, you know, a private, private session browser, I'll still know it was you that clicked. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we've got, we've got some places to go requires very tight data, uh, hygiene, data maintenance, data control. Like you got to have your house in order mm-hmm. to do that, which at, at your scale is no main feat. Yeah. I mean, it, we're, we're also, we're grateful for, for awesome tools that can kind of figure that out for us. Yeah. That we, that we trust, frankly, it all, yeah. it all comes down to trust for us. So, yeah, um, yeah we, we, we see that the data is sufficiently reliable, uh, to, to a high enough level that, uh, our, our t- the tool of cho- choice for us, our, our email sending platform is campaign monitor. And they're able to, they're able to, to help us with that, with that tracking. Um, so. wow. I'm delighted. I'm delighted to hear that. I, I've read a lot of their material as well. That's a terrific awesome. company. Yeah. 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 Wow. Uh, wow. And they're handling that kind of scale. That's, that is exceptionally good. Um, in the, in the daily, and I assume that that's the main thing right now is the daily news from 1440, right? That's um, meaning is conveyed with words. Fair, fair summary. Sorry, could, could you repeat the question? Meaning is conveyed with words. On the, in, in the content of the, of the daily? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, no visuals yet? Uh, not yet. Okay. We've, we've to- we toyed with it. I should say, I should say not currently actually. So we toyed with it yeah. in, in early iterations when we were MVPing the product. Yeah. And actually I have theories for why this might be the case, but we, we saw lower open rates and lower click through rates over time when we included visuals versus when we, when we removed them. I think part of it is higher HTML load to a certain extent. So we were missing spam or we were maybe being put in spam or promotion at a slightly higher rate with some inboxes. Uh, but it, another piece of it, I think is we try to, you know, we try to convey all meaning with words and, yeah. and it's, it's a very, it's a self-contained newsletter. You can go out and learn more, which is why we have such a high click through rate as well, but yeah. you can. I very rarely, as a consumer of 1440, I very rarely click on anything because I, I read the newsletter and I, I get everything I need to know and then right. I'm off on my day. Right, right. I, where I was driving with that, apart from being a visual communication geek, um, and email is not necessarily the best vehicle for that. I think we'd probably agree. Um, with a data-centric business, you hit, a, I would argue, quite quickly, you hit a boundary about the data itself, like you have to simplify and arguably you have to interpret to take complex data set and put it in English. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and if someone, you know, the read more link may have the table, the chart, the you know, pivot table or whatever the heck it is, go there, you know, go, go there if you want to consume that by, by contrast, just, just, just for, just for fun, intellectual fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you look at the discipline, I would, I would argue probably the best in the business, the discipline, the New York times has evolved in visual journalism, in data journalism, and it's exceptional. And there are times that I learn and understand things from the work they've done to, to put data in visual form that I couldn't have gotten no matter how well-written, um, out, uh, yeah, out of language, emails, a crap vehicle for that. Um, like for a lot of, for a lot of reasons, it could, could be better, but it's, you know, it's not what it's wired for. Right. Yeah. And some are really good at it. Even, even though I, I do agree, email is not the, the ideal 
ideal medium for that, but yeah. some, some do an exceptional job. There's a, there's a newsletter that I know it's called charter that, that does, that just excels in graphs. It's, it's all data viz and it's, yeah. Yeah. it's so much fun. I like, I, I, it's like, I, it's like candy. Like I, 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 <laughs> yeah. and, and they, they excel at visual communication, uh, in the, in the email format. So th- there are, there are places out there that can do it. I, I think it, it comes back to a certain extent to our reason, our reason to be is not to, yeah. And, and and there are times when a visual, when like an, an excellent infograph could further understanding on complex topics, mm-hmm. but our general reason to be is not to provide data visualization or greater, greater yeah. visual context on, on certain events or certain things happening yeah. in the world. It's more to give this like high level view. And we do like to lean on facts and data and data viz is a great way of co- consuming data. Like not, not everyone loves like a good old fashioned Excel spreadsheet like I do. So it's, uh, it's. There, there's nuance to it, but I think it's not really our core. It's not our, our, our core competency. It's not where, yeah, as in, as individuals have this incredible skill set. Like we, it's not, it's not who we are. So yeah, I um, I think some some do it really well. New York Times is a good example. Charter is another good example. But it's I don't think we're going to win there personally. It's it's too too right. too non-native and too too difficult for us as as producers of of fourteen forty. It would also if you. If you if you tried to do much of that, you'd have a cadence challenge. And by cadence, I mean today's news may lend itself to you know info visualization. Tomorrow's news, there may be you know every nothing that yeah. fits that. So I end up with this kind of wait a minute. Uh, ben Thompson, who I mentioned before, I think he's doing less of this. Honestly, he used to have I thought quite clever, quite informative, very simple graphics that he drew himself, I'm pretty sure on an iPad with the paper app, but That's frequently he'd summarize a complex view of strategy with stick figures and graphs on paper and pop it in his newsletter. And I saved any number of those. I'm like, that's it. Like that actually tells the story right there, but he's drifted to, he's drifted to a lot more language. I just realized that. Interesting. Yeah. That I, and, and sticking, sticking to your, you know, sticking to your thing. <laughs> is is a very good move, right? And the temptation to drift and try and become all things to all people, I don't think would serve you well. Plus, um we do skim and we do skim and scan so well that that the language centric um summary of the news you know meets meets us where we are now, I think to a great extent. Yeah, I, I agreed. And um I, you make a really interesting point about, about cadence and just consistency in general is like, yeah, if we started introducing infographs, we'd have to do so regularly, I think. And, and something, yeah. something that be part that, of your style too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying it won't happen. Anything, anything could evolve that way. But sure. if, we, if we do so, it's either gotta be like a, an every Friday thing or a every Saturday or every other, yeah. like it, it yeah. needs, needs some level of consistency. Cause something we hear often from our readers is they love how, they love how they know they know where everything in the newsletter is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they want to skip to science and technology because they love the science news, they know exactly how far to go down. No, right. Nice. If we introduce every other day infographs. It just yeah. gets and I, I'm I'm like kind of scapegoating infographs here, but anything anything that doesn't fall every day is yeah. you you lose that consistency and you lose some readers. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you pick you know you pick your you pick your arrangement and your uh, buckets so to speak. Um, so that I'm guessing there's always something in the science and tech. There's always something. Exactly. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes a, a ton of sense. Um, where where do you see the business being different? Let's say a year from now. More yeah. people, obviously. <laughs> you you stole my first answer. Yeah, so something something that I think we've we've done really well to date is just maintain focus. I think it's really easy to to chase shiny objects or 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 try maybe like a, a science newsletter or a, a UK edition or or anything in between mm-hmm. and. We've always said, focus on this core newsletter. If we grow this 5%, the thing gets pretty crazy. Or if we grow, grow it 5% mon- monthly, let's say. Yeah. So yeah. a year from now, I'd, I'd love to be at, how does the math work out there? I'd love to be at, say, 2.5 million subscribers, maybe yeah. maybe higher. I'd, I'd love to continue this this pretty pretty rapid growth. Um, and then aside from that, that lame answer that I just gave you, uh, we, we'd also, we'd love to, we, we'd love to kind of explore different different medium types that our readers are actually asking for. It's really easy to go to, to certain things that we think our readers want, but we actually see in the data when people are engaging with certain content. They love, for example, one, 101s. So if we talk about CRISPR in the newsletter and we say kind of understand what CRISPR is, but not really, we'll actually link to a 101 to CRISPR so that our readers can like better understand what that what that topic is referring to, right? So that we aren't just like dropping buzzwords like like there's like there's no tomorrow. So we we have these we we link externally to these one on ones currently, but we think there's a world where we can create kind of a an internal an internal platform where we're sharing and saving and and discussing on topics that are really nuanced that not everyone understands but everyone's heard of. So that's. That's kind of the seismic shift that might happen in the next year or so, but you can rest assured we'll, we'll stay focused on yeah. the newsletter regardless of, of which okay. kind of shiny objects we do, we do chase. That is, that's, that's terrific. I mean, it's tantalizing future possibility, but the, the ruthless focus as uh, you know, the ruthless focus on doing what you're doing is terrific as well. And I suspect with compound interest, pun intended, you're, you you bid fair to hit that two and a half million and maybe then some. Yeah, I hope that's a that's a conservative guess, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> kind of fun to watch. Um, yeah, wow, cool. Well, we've we're closing in on well over forty five minutes, so I think I'll wrap up. But what a what an enjoyable conversation! Congratulations, you guys have really built something. Yeah, appreciate that. Right, right back at you. This is a lot, a lot of fun. Love jamming that email, and uh, <laughs> it's cool, cool to cool to talk to an expert like yourself. Well, we're wrapping. Uh, don't don't jump don't jump there. We'll chat with you afterwards. But my guest has been Pierre Lipton, Lipton, co-founder, COO at fourteen forty Media. Where does someone go if they're interested? Uh, join fourteen forty dot com. That's join one four four zero dot com, and it's a totally free newsletter. We hope you'll we hope you'll join in. There you go. We'll end on that one. Thanks, Pierre. Awesome. Thank you.